Welcome to Double DM, the TTRPG talk show, where we talk about how to be the best game master you can be. This week, we talk to Bart Winnens about Spurn of Orcus, a D&D 5e adventure that has been built through blind collaboration by new up-and-coming writers in the TTRPG space. Bart is sort of the project manager, you could say, for that project, and is here to tell us about the book, the process behind creating it, and the immersive audio content as well, as well as how it works and the immersive audio content, as well as how it was to work in this rather unorthodox, blind collaboration, minimal prompt way. So sit back, relax, grab a drink and let's chat about making your TTRPGs better with this episode's guest, Bart Winnens and the TTRPG Kickstarter, Spurned of Orcus. I have one announcement though, why your world matters old-time fans of WDM know this already, is back. The TTRPG world-building panel where we prove to you that all creative work is good work and that every work counts and that your world matters that you've created is back. We are here back with another panel of six, including Sage, content creators that will talk world building, creating worlds, working with players and finding inspiration. What's the best writing tips they have and all the different stuff. You can tune into that on the 5th of November on twitch.tv slash steamsage1 at 5 p.m. Eastern time. We will see you there. Don't forget, Why Your World Matters is finally back. And yes, it will also be released as a podcast on this podcast feed for your enjoyment after it has aired. There will be probably, I think, two to three weeks of disconnect, but alas, it will come. So, without further ado, let's jump into the episode. For more information, see the timestamps in the description. Hello and welcome to WDM episode 91. With me, as per usual, is my lovely co-host Emil. How are you doing today? I am doing great today. Okay, tell me about it. Why is that? Because it's Thursday and I don't have to do anything. That's amazing. I would love to do that sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's alright. I just can do the stuff I want to do today, which is, I don't know, play video games or something. Sounds like a perfect day to me. <laughs> <laughs> I also have to edit the episode that the people are listening to right now. So hmm. if you're listening to this on Monday uh, or it has released on Monday, you know that I probably also edited this Thursday as well. Perfect. So did anything TTRPG related happen to you this week? No, no? not really. No, no, no. I haven't gotten to TTRPGs yet in my week because normally I play Thursdays and then on the weekend. Last weekend, however, I didn't play. No, well, yes, I did play actually. I did play one thing on Sunday last week, mm -hmm. which was the ending to our two-player campaign, uh, Shadows Over Daelia, mm -hmm. which is the name of the world we're in. And yeah, we uh, were tasked, right, I told about this, uh, we were tasked with hiding these artifacts. Yeah. And through some sheer luck, we kind of got transported to a god dimension, as we found out, not to the domain of this dark goddess we were supposed to hide them from, but actually to the domain where the gods lived before they came to our world mm -hmm. which is a destroyed dimension so nothing is there anymore really and we met uh, one of the ancient guardians of that place who said well you can just uh, follow this river and in four days you can travel through the uh, waterfall there mm -hmm. and you will find yourself back in your home plane but somewhere on the globe no one knows where mm -hmm. and we were like okay this is kind of good because we were supposed to hide these artifacts somewhere where no one will ever find them and we got ejected from this dimension, you could say, at the most northern west point of the world, where we played all our campaign was basically in the northeastern realm mm -hmm. of the world. So it was really just really far away. And that is good. And then we just hit these artifacts under a glacier and said, okay, good, we're done. And right. that was the ending to that campaign.
campaign, no climactic battle or anything, because we didn't need one. Our task was to not engage the Scotters in battle. Now, some people might say, well, you need that. It's kind of hard. You, you, you need that. Obviously, you need epic battles. No, actually don't. Sometimes this is the ending to a campaign and it's good. However, we will have another upcoming one-shot, which will be the conclusion to a story, to my backstory, as mm -hmm. my backstory included pirate captain that needs to die. That's where Noel, my character, is heading now. And that final battle on sea and on ship deck probably will be the ending to that campaign. So we will still get the climactic ending and we will also get some closure on her story but because it wasn't closed in the official realms of that story. And after that, we can start a different campaign at some point. Mm -hmm. But in this one shot, we will make this happen because I am also a part of this or I, yeah. I hope to be if everything works out. Yeah, it's not just the two players. We also have two more players because those will be part of the different of the next campaign and this is kind of just the one shot so kind of get accustomed a bit however we will not be playing the characters we're playing right now mm -hmm. basically just for the reason that the other campaign will happen years 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 later than this one shot but yeah i'm looking forward to this because i mean hey it's a pirate captain it's a, another pirate captain fighting against each other on ship to ship combat i mean what else what is not to laugh about that yeah amazingly i love these pirate movies or stories just people swinging from ship to ship and battling it out and then cannons firing and mayhem ensuing shit happens all the time and yeah. i can't wait to be a part of that actually yeah because i always be i always wanted to play in a pirate themed one shot slash campaign thing because it's one of my favorite tropes in storytelling basically to talk about the pirate era or something along the lines of that and yeah can't wait nice. it'll be fun yeah yeah it will probably be a lot of fun yeah but aside from that nothing really and yeah that's kind of my ttrpg week <laughs> not much happening unfortunately yeah mine is just the one shot on sunday mm -hmm. and i have a session coming up right after we record this or we're done yeah. recording this uh, where last time we left off mm -hmm. the group encountered Dryder, which turns out to be the mother of one of the characters so yeah we will see where this all is going i know where it could be going but where the players will take it is a whole different story <laughs> So yeah, th this will be interesting. Uh, now traveling through the Underdark towards a city they have heard about in the Underdark to kind okay. of find a connection between one of the um, or one of the evil guys they met mm -hmm. uh, because they uh, kidnapped a couple of people from a circus show uh -huh. for whatever reason, and they just found a piece of piece of clothing that was ripped apart and somehow i can't remember exactly where I, uh, how i have to check my notes again found a link between this piece of clothing and a some sort of clan in the underdark and now are traveling mm. towards that on trying to find new information about it and yeah th this is where we are at right now and i uh, we left at the cliffhanger mm-hmm the uh, players saw the rider and one of the players recognized it as her mother and then we stopped so yeah we will see where this is all going to take us i mean what's the relationship between them did you know that their mother was a dryder before nope, or no they didn't oh okay <laughs> yeah they were just leaving home to go out and adventure to find their way to have some fun and now they return to their homeland basically mm -hmm. and yeah now they see their mother as a dryder i mean as you're playing that right now please tell me more is the mother evil is she nice is she well it's a two-sided sword a double-sided edge you could say okay. it, she is kind of evil but kind of not she was tested by Loth to test her resolve in some mm -hmm. way Proof shape or form worth and stuff like that yeah exactly but i don't want to spoil any uh, too much of that because that is gonna resolve some sometime later in the campaign yeah hopefully yeah. but yeah now she's trying find a way back from that being a drider mm -hmm. and yeah she she hasn't found any information about her husband yet because he got uh, he's gone missing right after she returned as a dryer, and now she wants to find her husband again through mm -hmm. and, uh, basically any means necessary so she she is kind of evil but kind of not mm -hmm. there, will she attack the party probably depends on the way the party interacts she won't attack um her daughter mm -hmm. but maybe the others depending on how they react to seeing a drider for the fucking first time in their life mm -hmm. okay interesting nice yeah but i have options for them to just kill yeah obviously it's you have a stat block and that means you can kill it exactly our different ways of diplomatically solving the situation yeah just talking it out there are options to take for my players uh -huh. and yeah i just have to ride with it to see or you just have to go ride with it i have to ride with it not just 
seeing where all of the shit is going to take us and how my players will interact with it. Mm -hmm. But okay. yeah, that's where we're at right now. It's actually fun because Strider obviously is Draw Rider, right? Mm -hmm. But why isn't it Strider? Because of Spider Rider. Yeah, I don't, <laughs> I don't know. Or maybe is it is it Drider because it's a Draw Spider? Ooh, oh, it's probably Draw Spider. That's why it's Drider. Probably, yeah. But, but they could have made it Spro. <laughs> 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 my antenna now it's only called Spro not Ryder it's Spro it's a Spro <laughs> I mean they're gonna go to Fred parties so. there was an obvious choice and then there was the good choice <laughs> <laughs> yeah I will definitely um, tell my players that this is now called a Spro courtesy <laughs> <laughs> of me you're very welcome okay <laughs> very good <laughs> i don't know why but the immediate connection in my head is now a spro is also kind of bro-ish and is going to fret parties and <laughs> oh yeah drowning themselves it's, in dr drider is the female version which is normally all driders are female oh, right and oh, bro yes. is the uh, very rare male version that is just <laughs> fret bros but they but they don't have eight legs they have eight arms so they can chuck more beer <laughs> <laughs> this is amazing yeah i, I, I will, I, I will make that they happen an even hor more horrifying creature but just because they invite you to beer pong <laughs> <laughs> oh my god i have to write that down <laughs> <laughs> it's understandable it's very good it's a very good idea actually oh my god <laughs> oh fucking hell okay <laughs> I get it. So that's where we're going today. Ah, okay. So, uh, with further ado, I don't think we have anything else to talk about. Um, oh, one short quick thing. I've already mentioned it in the pre-show of this episode, but Wireworld Matters is back. In the pre-show, I probably only announced the date and where you can find that, but really, it was a pleasure putting this panel together and having all these five new content creators that wanted to talk to us about this stuff and that we got to agree on a time which is very hard and <laughs> if you're TTRPG and content creators so that is extra mm. hard for us but it worked and it, I'm so happy to have these five amazing people gonna be sharing sharing their stories of how they do working and some of them really world building experts right Kaya Mirrorlock for example has the world builders almanac coming out in December or in January next year which if you don't know Kaya she really is the person to go to when it comes to world building uh, any question she probably has an idea or she can ask you questions or on her Twitter she does she does ask you questions every Wednesday uh, for the next 12 months now when this episode airs Kendo has created one of the most interesting worlds I've ever seen the sublime for tales yet told strangers in the woods it's such an interesting place because it's such a good trope tropey place that fits because it's supposed to be tropey and but it's it isn't necessarily just cringy tropey it's really well put together Liz is one of the best stream game masters i've seen running stormborn's curse which is a pirate campaign by the way which is currently on hiatus but regardless even the open seas are so interesting to discover and how Liz does this is incredible. Who do we have uh, <laughs> as well? Amber, the TTRPG Swiss Army Knife. Amber can do anything. They can do literally anything. And that's why we needed them on Wireworld Matters as well. And Nathan from Reckless Attack, who was already on this show, also has a very good podcast where he has a very interesting world that is, has been built in cooperation with his players. And I'm very interested to hear about how that works and how he does and how they do it and how that works for their show. Yeah. So that's, can't wait for that. I just wanted to shout that out a bit regardless. Now, let's dive into our episode with Bart Winnens about Spurned of Orcus starting a TTRPG Kickstarter. Starting a TTRPG Kickstarter and how it feels to release your written content. Hey, dear listener, we arrived at this episode's mid-roll. I don't want to keep you too long in this break from the usual program, but podcasting overlords demand that I ask you to rate and review our show to help us expand our reach and get new listeners. But also with more reviews and ratings comes the benefit of us getting a better feel for what you like and dislike about the show, allowing us to improve our show to the next level 
just for you guys. And hey, if you really like the show, then recommend us to your friends so we can share our content with them and help them with whatever dungeon master dilemma or player problems they are having right now. I know you hear this all of the time, but really doing so helps shows like ours and any other podcaster, especially indie podcasters, out immensely in creating the best content possible. So again, rate, review, tell a friend or whatever works for you. If you are feeling super generous today, you can check out our Ko-Fi and donate a few bucks towards upgrading the show with new microphones, editing software and studio surroundings. No pressure at all though, this is just if you feel like you want to help out. Lastly, I also want to tell you guys about our social media channels and that you can follow us on especially Twitter or Instagram to stay up to date with the show and get a whole slew of other content like memes, tips and general shit posts about TTRPGs and the TTRPG industry or community. Thank you guys so much for your content support of our show and we hope we can continue creating amazing content for you guys well into the future. Oh, one last thing. If you have a TTIPG product you want to advertise on our show, contact us about affordable ad space on Double DM episodes and we also have promo swap spaces available for other podcasters and shows. And with that, I have an advertisement for you and after that, it's right back to the show. Do you want a lightweight, easy to use and free application for your tabletop role-playing campaigns? Master Screen is the ultimate set of tools for running tabletop or online role-playing campaigns and managing intricate fictional worlds as well. This incredible browser application can run on any device and also works offline so you can edit your files basically everywhere. This awesome campaign manager allows you to level up your notes and organizations so you have to spend less time in your notes and more time in the action of your games. The focus on the simple yet beautiful design makes for great and intuitive use for every tabletop role-playing game and as time goes on there will be even more features to create a one-stop get-all for game masters wanting to level up their game. And remember, all of that is for the low price of free and requires no downloads. So go to masterscreen.app to start becoming the master behind the screen you were meant to be. You can find the link in the description. And with that, we are back in the episode and we have our guest today with us, Bart. So please introduce yourself. Who are you? How did you get into TTRPGs? What are you doing? All of the stuff. We want to know everything. Okay. Uh, good morning, everyone. So my name is Bart Winans. I am currently, uh, since March this year, I am self-employed. Finally, I am an IT instructor. That's what helps pay the bills. And then I combine that with uh, RPG writing, which doesn't really pay the bills, as you might know. It's my passion. So I can now combine those two. Uh, before that, I used to be an, uh, a simple IT consultant. I had started dabbling in writing for RPGs, uh, namely for Raging Swamp Press in 2018, I believe. Then I released, well, I had released a couple of uh, small modules, but really got the taste for it. Things spiraled still very much in control, unfortunately. So I kept on releasing uh, stuff here and there. And then, well, when the end of last year rolled around, I made the decision to uh, quit my job and start teaching IT stuff because that's where my passion lay, this, this, this interaction with people. And then I had the freedom, fortunately, to combine that with more writing. So that's who I am, what I do. Uh, where I started playing TTRPGs, that's a long time ago. I believe it was 1995 or 93 at a convention. I was a, uh, me and my friends were big Warhammer fans so we came to this fancy convention purely for the joy of, of buying more miniatures like we didn't have enough already um and the first time i, I encountered a ttrpg was call of cthulhu uh, i was looking to kill some time between two events someone approached me we need one more play for call of cthulhu the uh the basic scenario everyone's played the haunted house one and i was just i was blown away by the the mind-bending possibility you could play a game without needing miniatures and you could do whatever you wanted so scenarios finished i went to look for my friends brought them in and said you need to play this and that's where we all became uh, role players at that instance and we started obviously with warhammer fantasy role play and then well everything else 
basically. So that's me in a, uh, a rather large nutshell, I should say. Nice. Uh, first of all, congratulations on the self-employment. Uh, that's <laughs> a huge step for, uh, for most of us. It was a huge step, definitely. I'm interested in Spurned of Orcus, the TTRPG Kickstarter we're here to talk about. It's a 5e adventure, right? It's a 5e supplement. Yeah, that's the idea. So you started with Call of Cthulhu and also Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay, but how did you get into especially D&D then? What made you then decide to do a Kickstarter for D&D? Okay, that's a long story. But <laughs> you told me uh, I could talk however long I wanted, so... Please. I'll try to make it as short as possible. So at one point, well, this is also a link to Call of Cthulhu, several years ago, I think five or six now, I organized a live-action roleplay based on Call of Cthulhu. And it was, it was moderately successful. So that is to say, uh, it was a huge amount of work. It was with just 20 or 30 people. And these people had fun. So that was was what made it a success. I, however, did not. It was a grueling experience. I just didn't have enough control. It was just so chaotic. And when we drove home from that event, I said, I want to do something else now. I want to uh, do a palate cleanser. I want to just organize a, a new tabletop RPG. And I want to just have my friends bash down some doors and kill some monsters. And that's why I said, let's do TND. And that was still uh, 3.5 at that time. Uh, 3.5 and then Pathfinder because 3.5 had, had really finished and we uh, picked up Pathfinder. We did that for several years, a very large, extensive, long-running campaign. And we finished, or we didn't finish, we ended playing. We stopped playing after the characters reached level 13 and they had mythic tier three or four or something and it was just a lot of keeping that's what we were doing so the last encounter we played i remembered very well it was just a standard encounter so um one simple battle one might say and it's occupied us the entire evening and we're all adults so we have busy schedules uh there's always two or three weeks between these sessions and so every time everyone took out their character sheet and went what does this do again and and how should we and it was just a nightmare to run and that's why in the end we said okay let's try out fifth edition it's supposed to be much simpler same atmosphere we like the artwork so we did fifth edition curse of strad still running we enjoyed very very much uh and then at some point i was uh, already eyeballing this concept of maybe I want to be self-employed, maybe I want to teach, maybe I want to write. So, And I'd started my Twitter account um, to, well, just this was a New Year's resolution of mine. Just find out one cool fact somewhere in the world based on art, science, history, whatever, which can serve as some input, some inspiration for RPGs. And I keep, I do that for myself mainly, but then, yeah, why not personal Twitter too? Because then I can share that. So I kept doing that. And at some point I came across the world's oldest dungeon map. I thought I was the first one to make that joke. I wasn't. It's a seven-room house. Uh, it's it's a map carved into a clay tablet. It's 5,000, 7,000 years old. 5,000, I believe. Uh, map of a Sumerian house with all these cuneiform inscriptions. And I thought, oh, funny, the world's first dungeon map. I'll post it. Wasn't the first to make the joke, so. Uh, but then I got this idea. Hey, this post was attracting some attention because it was still funny, you know? And I got the idea. Well, say, I'm, I'm already writing stuff. I already know a bit how to structure an adventure. Wouldn't it be fun if I posted this? up on Twitter and ask people to send me a random room description. So choose one of the rooms in this Sumerian house. Uh, tell me what it contains. And if I receive at least seven of those, well, then I'll just put it into a small, fun little adventure. I'll publish it for free. So why not? For me, it'll be an experience in publishing something because it's pretty risk-free. It's free to download. Uh, doesn't cost me anything, anything, just some time. I don't have to pay anyone. So it's a real easy endeavor. So I did that thinking, well, I'm a bit of a cynical guy. So I thought, well, nah, maybe I'll have some stupid uh, submissions. Uh, I'll see what happens. But no, these people were quite creative, quite talented. Uh, they had good ideas. And I was really intrigued. So I had, uh, I think, 10, 10 submissions. I combined a few to make these seven rooms because I, I really, I, I like them all. So I want to include everyone into that. And we did the House of the Exorcist, which is the first thing I, I self-published. So it's still for free on DriveThruRPG. And it's just a fun little dungeon monster. Seven rooms uh, and people from Twitter sent in these descriptions and it, it's sort of cohesive. It's, it's sort of a fun thing you can do. You can download it for Halloween. It's a nice one-off, but no more than that. And then uh, by the end of 2021, I think, I was on holiday in, in the Mosul region anyway. And uh, I was hiking with my wife and uh, we came across 
these ruins of an, of an old Roman villa, 4th century uh, BC, I believe. Old Roman villa, a, a villa rustica. So uh, this was a villa with a winery. There was nothing much left of that villa, by the way. Just, I believe, three walls. So not very impressive. But the archaeological department had put a big sign next to it showing how the villa had looked like when it was still in its prime. A really cool dungeon map. So there I thought, maybe... I should do this again. I mean, House of the Exorcist was fun. Uh, it was a free download. Okay, but 400 people downloaded it. Must have done something right there. And maybe, well, if this is 25 rooms, it looks like. This is a bit ambitious, but if these people are still as talented, if I can still attract talented folk with, with great ideas, maybe I can make something cool out of this too. So let's try. I did this on January this, this year, I believe. Uh, launched that also thinking, well, I don't know what I'm going to get. Uh, but this time the ambition was... I want to pay these people for their time. So I set aside a small budget and announced, okay, I will be selecting uh, the best entries, the best uh, locations sent into me, but you will also get paid. So I set aside a small budget to pay for that. Uh, I also contacted an artist friend of mine, uh, Tim, and Tim agreed to draw some images for Spurn the Vorkas, the title had already been decided. And I said, Tim, okay, we'll just do, we'll need a handful of, of drawings. I mean, maybe one or two pages. Well, I was talking about pages because the last person who, who had did the, the drawings on House of the Exorcist, they provided me with two a four pages full of little drawings. And I thought, well, maybe two, three, maybe in this case, that'll suffice for our 25 room dungeon at that time. Uh, you know, just another fun little romp in the dungeon, 25 rooms, loosely connected, and we'll do the same thing, only a bit bigger, maybe in 20 pages, 22 pages. Well, then I received these submissions and they were also quite good. I mean, many things, many uh, ideas I hadn't even considered. Um, people were spontaneously Go, thinking outside the box, they were adding NPCs, intriguing NPCs, which I hadn't thought of, but would fit into this scenario. Uh, and well, after I believe I, I gave them two weeks or something, I really had a very solid pool of location descriptions. And I went about editing and, and really filling out these rooms and things started to fall into place. So I thought, okay, I'll just do it like last time. I'll give everyone half a page for the room description, give or take. So that'll still come up with some 20-something pages total. But that didn't suffice because they had good ideas. I want to include those. And then I began seeing links between two submissions. Okay, adding this link would be really valuable. So I added something because, of course, you if you're shooting for a story... You need to establish links. You, you need to make this an organic, uh, believable environment. So that means, well, if you want to respect still what people have written, you don't rewrite everything, you add stuff. And then you smooth things over. So location description became longer and longer. So it doubled in size. Uh, the page size increased as a result. People added NPCs. People added unique creatures. So yeah, now I had stat blocks on my hand because in Spurn of Orcs, I just said, well, we'll use stuff from the monster manual anyway. But that wouldn't cut it now. These NPCs were unique. They had to have unique stat blocks. Okay, so more pages added and more demand for art. And that's where... In the end, the idea of the Kickstarter came from because I had set aside this small budget, $500, to pay for everything. But, well, now was especially unfair on my artists because I was faced with the choice. Either we have a uh, an adventure very, very low on art, which doesn't look like much, I'm afraid, or I ask him to do everything. And he's a kind man. He would have done this for free, but that didn't sit right with me either. So I thought, well, people are doing Kickstarters. I mean, how hard can it be? Let's have a look. And that's where we are now. And then, oh yeah, I should add the immersive audio content. Why did I add that? I'll be completely honest about that. This is my second self-published adventure. This is my first Kickstarter I'm running. I have no idea what I'm doing. So I was just thinking, this needs to stand out. I need a gimmick, but I also didn't want it to be a stupid gimmick. I didn't want it to be gimmicky, but it had to stand out. And that's where I got thinking. Uh, I just met a new friend who was busy, Anna. She was busy starting out on herself writing background soundtracks or bespoke soundtracks. So if you have a, if you have a character in, in, in any game or if you have a, a game master you like or, or you have a specific adventure going on, you can contact her and she will take your description of this character, this adventure, and write a three to five minute song based on that. So very cool. I listened to it a few times. And I thought maybe there's something there. Maybe for her, it's an opportunity for me as well. We can work together. But then how? I remember very well in the olden days where you had... Uh, 
AD&D box sets of, of Red Steel and, and The Lion in the Belfry and uh, First Quest one I still own, uh, where a ACD came with your adventure. And then you had, well, if you met an NPC, uh, skip ahead and play track 96. And uh, if you have a fireball to cast in that adventure, go to track two. Yeah, okay, but that's been done and it's, it's really cumbersome as well. I mean, if you want to do that now, there are great apps who do that and I cannot compete with those apps. So I'm not going to do that. So what else can I do? And I look back at two games uh, I very much enjoy playing every now and then. The first one was Doom 3. It's the least favorite Doom everyone usually, but it's my favorite. Uh, and what I remember in Doom 3 was you walked around these dank corridors and you had this ambient soundtrack going on. Very cool, very spooky ambient soundtrack. Okay, not, not really... Uh, very invasive, just all in the background. But then here and there, you'd hear these ghostly whispers or demonic whispers. And the thing was, they weren't just part of the background. They meant something. And I always liked that. If you hear, if you heard, for instance, um, I'm under the stairs somewhere, I believe that's actually in the game. Then you could just pause and, and look around and you spot a flight of stairs and you looked underneath it, you would find something like a skeleton holding a plasma gun or it was a trap laid out by the demons. And in some levels, it became... A bit of a guesswork, like, should I trust this voice? Yes or no? And I thought, well, that's something I can include. I mean, I know this location. I know this adventure. I know everything that's there. So if I have this ambient low-key track playing in the background, I add some whispers to it with some hints to uh, things you can find or traps which can be set, I can have this effect in my game. So that's one part of this immersive audio. And that's what we call um, the overlay track. So that's just a very long track containing scattered whispers here and there, which you can play during the game or not. It's not obligatory if you say, well, I like to play without this audio. Okay, you just leave that out, no problem. And then the second part I thought of was based on uh, also a, a bit of a, a niche game, an indie game, uh, which is called Keep Talking and Nobody Explodes. I don't know if you know. Yeah, we have played amazing game. <laughs> Fun, right? So if you don't know what that is, maybe for the listeners, you have one person. You can play this with as many people as you like, and it gets more fun the more people you include. But the key is you place one person uh, in front of a laptop screen or your PlayStation or whatever, and they have this very basic James Bondy bomb interface in front of them. So this really classic movie bomb, very complex. Uh, you can turn it around. You can click on it. It has different colors of wires. It has a barcode. It has switches. An extremely complicated bomb with this big red countdown timer set to depending on your difficulty i don't know five minutes ten minutes and the other players they're not allowed to watch this bomb they are so to speak the experts who are in possession of uh, the bomb dismantling manual which is an well a very complicated document which is really made to look like it's been typed on an old type typewriter um, it's very poorly structured and the whole game becomes an exercise in efficient communication. And that's where the fun lies. So this one person dismantling the bomb is really, really stressed about what they have to do before this goes off because then they are dead in the game. Uh, and the others try to uh, guide him towards the right action. So are there red wires on this bomb? No, only green and yellow. Okay, so that's to page 75. And, and then, then, then. And I thought, this is fun. And this is also something I can perhaps easily include, this same game of communications going on. So without spoiling anything, I could give you an example of, of one of those encounters which is in the game. First of all, they're all optional encounters. So uh, my philosophy is I don't want to force anyone into engaging with this content. Um, so it's not like you step into the room and this happens because I don't like that. I'm, I'm really a fan of player choice. So players may choose to engage with these things or not, it's up to them. And if they engage in one of these encounters, they may, and again, without spoiling things, they may choose to enter a sort of trance and during this trance, they will receive encrypted information from an entity. And this entity will guide them towards solving or, or choosing the correct answer to solve one of the puzzles in the game. So they get headphones on. That's the idea. They uh, also get, ideally, an iPad or an iPhone because there's a little MP4 movie, which also adds to the information. And this is, well, as I said, it's, it's keep talking, nobody explodes. Uh, they need to convey this information efficiently towards the other players while being isolated from them. And then at the same time, the DM goes on with the other players. He just continues the game in, in real time. And while well, they're waiting on info from this uh, entranced player, that's the idea. So in that, in that specific instance, your audio content becomes 
an assistant DM, albeit a very dumb one with a very limited repertoire, but you can you can split yourself. I thought that was fun to do, but of course, not too gimmicky. So you only have three of those potential encounters in the game. I don't want to spread them all over the place. And I also want them to be, uh, well, organic enough to, to fit within the setting. So it's nothing like um, you get the headphones on and here's a riddle. No, no, because you do not need those headphones for that. In short, if the DM would be able to do it as easily without the immersive audio, it's not immersive audio. It's it's really something, it should be an added value. So, um, well, well, yeah, that's that's the entire story on, on how Thunder <laughs> Vorkis uh, came to Kickstarter or will come to Kickstarter in, uh, well, the coming days, it should be. That is so freaking amazing <laughs> yeah, it's I, know, yeah. That, that, <laughs> i've never heard someone say the words of i got inspired to do talking and nobody explodes in my D adventures or in my ttrpg adventures and i am loving the idea <laughs> Yeah, it, it sounds really fun, really amazing. I hope it works. I mean, we're still working on these puzzles. They've been written out, and Anna is busy composing the music for these puzzles. But it's looking good. At least on paper, it's looking good. But um, I have written in the Kickstarter also that uh, this will be tested. It's not just fire and forget stuff. We need to build these and test them on players because they're still sort of puzzles. So it's it's important to uh, mm-hmm. balance these and, and make sure you can actually use them at the table. So it will require some testing, but I have good hopes for this <laughs> this is very interesting um i'm talking over Niels now because actually he was supposed to ask the next question but <laughs> this is a very specific fact because just yesterday i was part of a discussion um because Niels and i uh, with double dm and uh, are also producing an actual play right mm-hmm. and a few of our friends also produce actual plays and we were talking about puzzles in podcast form because most of the time when we have puzzles at tables is like some visual cue that just doesn't translate to a pure audio medium anymore yeah and especially with immersive audio and this type of conveying and because the audience obviously is also a different entity than the players or the characters in the game so that could actually be the answer we were looking for kind of it it might be with some tweaking probably but for podcasts especially but that actually brought me to an idea that maybe especially with immersive audio puzzles where one of the players gets isolated and then some way uh, you kind of convey that to the audience with i don't know certain cues maybe the player has to do it completely different episode or whatever but you then convey information between the characters in some way and uh, <laughs> set up some gears in my head to, to, to actually be the answer to that question we were asking ourselves if because obviously normal riddles we do don't necessarily translate to a podcast well especially no. if players start thinking because we call that dead time it's completely yeah. boring if people exactly. sit at the for an audience it's completely boring if the players are sitting there thinking to themselves and you need to cut that out out of your podcast but this way it's one of them has extra information that they can convey to the others or the others need to convey it to that player that there's no dead time this is just a new form of communication that is very interesting to think about in podcasts actually but what you say is the same at the table i mean Mm-hmm. If players are sitting around it's it's really important i think to to keep if you're running a game if you're the dm to keep the pacing going so make sure there's an agreeable pace to this and that's the problem with a puzzle if you throw a puzzle in there and I've, i like throwing puzzles in there i remember in our our pathfinder campaign i i used to include puzzles every now and then to uh my players annoyance unfortunately <laughs> but it was dead time i mean you throw it in there and and people fall silent and start thinking and leaning back and they're out of the game mentally they're out of the game they're just um well taking this puzzle and 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 using its abstractions or thinking about it in abstractions and that means they're no longer in their character's role and that's something that didn't sit well with me so also this interactive audio hopefully solves that adequately and i before emil just interjected there uh, i was going to ask with your kickstarter now releasing soon Mm -hmm. how does it feel to release a kickstarter in the coming days i've no idea (laughs) (laughs) i became self-employed so in march uh as an it instructor and in the beginning i I just have well now i have two clients and i have one i had one client in the beginning and i didn't have much uh 
spread, so to speak. So uh, the the gigs would come up here and there. So one or two every month. And then during August and, and July, nothing really. So uh, I had lots of time to write and to prepare slowly for Spur and the Vorkas and other projects I was, I was working on. And I thought, well, this is going to be it usually. So I'll have a bit of time on my hands at least every month. But then all of a sudden in September, these requests for teaching start coming in. And I'm almost working a full-time job. And I, I can't really say no because I have to make up for some uh, financial loss earlier in the year. Well, loss, I mean, very little to do then. So yeah, saying no would be really silly. So that's what I said when I... Uh, uh, opened the chat this morning. I said, it's been really busy. My mind's all over the place and I'm, I'm not quite sure what I'm doing. So I'd hope to be uh, really involved and really thoughtfully working on this Kickstarter. <laughs> now it's just going from one place to the next. So um, how does it feel? Exciting, definitely. Um, but but yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. I don't have much time to think about it, uh, but it, it's certainly exciting for lack of a better word. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, yeah, that's definitely interesting. I think I think exciting is the word that actually, from my perspective, fits best what what goes through the mind of people that are starting Kickstarter soon. Because it's a big step to have a Kickstarter to to put your work out there and and basically yeah. be judged by the people and uh, uh, if you're worth the money or whatever. But yeah, the, I, I think especially the for me the immersive audio content is a huge selling point of this personally mm. because. This is something I've never seen before. It's super interesting for. to me to get to know this more and to understand this through the Kickstarter. But I want to go to a different point you sent us about the Kickstarter because you said it was designed bottom up through blind collaboration with minimal prompts. Yeah. You, you talked about that, that you basically put out a prop, put out the prompt on Twitter and people sent you room descriptions and you took the best and then got these people in and got them talking. But so with minimal prompt, you, the meaning is you basically just posted the map and said, what's the idea here? Or a, a little more than that, actually. So mm -hmm. the first time I did House of the Exorcist was just the map. And I chose right. the name House of the Exorcist because that's actually a, a, an archaeological find uh, in a sewer. And they called this house, they found the House of the Exorcist is because it contains uh, a demon summoning, a demon discipline stone, whatever. It's not the same house, but it just it vibed well. So that was the only prompt there together with the map. Um, but for Spurn of Orcas, the thing was, this is not the first time I thought of publishing something. The first time was uh, several years ago. Uh, and this was, a, it started out as a Call of Cthulhu adventure. And then I thought it should be perhaps a 5e adventure. And I thought, well, I'll go to work with this. It was also about a family of ghouls, was the idea. And they were cursed by the demon prince for breaking a, uh, a sacred oath to them. And they were cursed to have these long, eerie fangs, these long, fragile fangs sticking from their mouth. So that the curse meant they could not consume flesh as the others could. So they would go eternally hungry, break their teeth. Uh, that was the idea. And I'd already called up Tim. This was years ago and asked Tim, would you be interested in, in, in drawing something for me? And he said, yeah, well, why not? And he'd already done some drawings, but then the project just spiraled out of control. There was no more structure and just got really, really diffused. And I abandoned it, sadly. So I felt a bit beholden to Tim in saying, well, if I do this new adventure, he's already drawn a handful of things for me here. And um, what's the prompt for this new one? Well, let's just take the same thing. I mean, I'm not doing this old adventure anymore. I've abandoned this, but let's reuse what's interesting. And that was those ghouls. And we had a bit of the art already. Tim was still on board. So um, the prompt I gave them on Twitter was, first of all, the map. I'd uh, redrawn this archaeological map and, and made it look a bit more like a and d map. Also scaled it to five foot squares just to make it clean looking. And then I just thought of a, a very basic backstory where you have, it was based on Roman Empire. So that's a bit of the atmosphere I'm shooting for. It's not historical correctness. It's just this, this atmosphere of uh, this, this master of the house, uh, his servants, Togas, sandals, that sort of thing, uh, short swords. So just something cohesive. Mm -hmm. And the story, I believe I said was, long story short, you had, uh, well, you had the fall of the empire, the Roman empire, so to speak. But after the fall of the empire, the indigenous tribes, they uh, go back to, to reconquer all the, la the lands that were lost that were taken from them. And you have this isolated villa somewhere where these uh, these people are sitting, these these uh, Roman invaders. And many of the invaders, they, they retreat because they know, well, we're doomed if we don't. But these guys, they 
stay put. They're evil, they're cruel, and uh, in their despair, they call upon the gods, but they ignore them. And then finally, they call upon Orcus, the demon prince of undead, and he answers, and he asks them for a sacrifice, but somehow they break this vow, and he curses them. That's part one. And then in part two, these indigenous tribes, they arrive on site. They see, holy hell, what's going on here? And they decide, well, we need to banish this filler to some other dimension to get rid of it. And that was a prompt. And by the way, that final part, the banished filler who now returns somewhere in whatever setting you choose, that was chosen to make it easy for people to insert this uh, adventure wherever they like in their own campaign. You can just say, well, these wards are, start- are starting to uh, to lose their power and now the villa has returned and there are some consequences and there's five adventure hooks in there for you to get to work with. So you choose one, the one most fitting your campaign, or you make up your own. And that makes it easy to insert, hopefully, into 90% of existing campaigns. That was the prompt. And well, people were incredibly creative with that. I mean, people are creative. <laughs> enormously i i have yeah. such respect for these people who sent in these things because they were they're, they're stuff i i never thought of and also there's this great blend of uh of horror and humor going on in what they send in i mean i really love it it's oh yeah i can say that because i'm not blowing my own trumpet i'm just the writers did a fantastic job you said that there are 13 new writers in this Th- those are all the writers, right? Uh, for now, yeah. So there's okay. some 13 people involved who sent in quotation uh, mm-hmm. descriptions. Um, I hope because we actually had some, I think we had four more. We had 15 submissions in all. And if the Kickstarter does well, uh, for now, we just have this this one ground floor of the villa. If it does well, one stretch goal I'm hoping to reach is I can add two, three locations in the upper level. It's a ruined villa, so just two or three remain. And then... A bit of a basement section. Also, a couple of rooms, the uh, the hippocostum where they uh, they heat the water for the hot bath. That's something I really want to include. And then I will be contacting these people who sent in their submission, but I couldn't fit in at that time. So I'll work with them to add these new locations. And well, if they say no or no, or they have no time or anything, then I'll just put it up again on Twitter because the idea remains to to give well non-professional writers a chance of getting published because they have these good ideas so why not use them mm. and of course these people will get paid that's also the idea mm. no but that's really interesting to me because right if, if i see kickstarters if i browse kickstarter like once a month about ttrpg things it's these very well put together books that are great things but they're always written by obviously professionals which is not bad it's, it's good to see that these professionals obviously are doing the good work and are creating these good supplements but it's at the same time just as exciting to see new people indie writers creating the content they love and share their creative ideas because if i get so much content by one writer there are obviously patterns that they have they write their own style which is what they are good at and they should do that but it's just one style yeah with this we no have here. With, with that we have 13 new writers new indie writers that are making a break for the scene starting yeah. to their first content maybe getting the confidence to even after this publish their own stuff further that are theoretically 13 new careers that are being started. That's what I hope happens. That's really what I hope it happens, yeah. Or it even spins out even more because just someone seeing that indie writers can make a break for that in this space even might entice other people to do so as well. Yeah, why not? Even if they're not part of this exact Kickstarter themselves. I hope this catches on. I hope other people will be doing this as well. Of course, one thing you need to keep in mind is you have several indie writers uh, writing together i still need to uh, to smooth over things to make sure that you can that it echoes with the same style the same feel so you don't have too jarring a difference between one person's room description and the other so i rewrite things a bit to make the wording sound the same uh, to make the terms of phrase sound similar. So it, it, it looks like it's one writer, but it's not. The great thing is the structure, well, the adventure which boils up from all of these combinations, that can never be familiar to any one of you. Really <laughs> unique. What happens through this alchemy of, uh, of writing, uh, the things which come up, there's crazy ideas in there from, there's 
it's not really a spoiler, but one of the great ideas I read somewhere was uh, from one of the writers, Maria. What she did was say, she went thinking, well, these ghouls, they are prevented from feeding on flesh. But there's this one ghoul witch, this uh, this, this witch or warlock. Um, and she's thought of a way to nourish herself by using leeches and placing these on her victims. And these leeches, they are squishy and they're easy to chew. So that's what she does. That's her thing. And this is just this amazing piece of flavor, which also gets translated into mechanics but not because now you have jars of infected leeches which you can throw at your enemies or get covered in leech <laughs> ones and stuff uh you have these these captives covered in in in, in, in leeches and, and being bled dry it's a great this one little thing she added this has spawned an, an entire leech economy you might say an entire dynamic which defines in large parts how these ghouls interact because you have some stupid ghoul you have just cannot fodder but but there's two main NPCs created, and they're at odds with each other. So that's also something I want to include. Um, this is not just a hack and slash adventure anymore. There's lots of interaction, and you can actually, if you're clever, if you if you go about it in a clever way, you can set up these two ghoul antagonists against each other, and and use a bit of intrigue if you like. So it really has everything that was only possible through this alchemy, I should call it, of all these writers blindly describing something, and then well, me just filling out the blanks <laughs> together. And it was a great exercise. I, I really, I recommend anyone doing that. It takes time, though. That's the only thing. <laughs> much, much more than I had imagined, but yeah, very rewarding. Yeah, but it, uh, what I have or a feeling that I have is, especially if I talk to some people, no matter what about, I get even more ideas, this creative dialogue. And I think, or it feels like this is the same in this example. You have 13 different writers adding to stuff, and then you're making connections between those yeah. 13 different prompts that you then can further with these 13 people and so on and so forth and the more people throw their ideas into a pot the better the creativity in general becomes yeah i exactly. get that every time i draw stuff or i write stuff or anything and i feel like this is a good example to do exactly that creative dialogue and creative cooperative story writing you could say yeah yeah mm -hmm. collaborative writing you might say. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's fun because creative dialogue and, and everything about it is kind of close to the heart of Double DM because this started because Niels and I were talking to each other about our adventures, our own campaigns at home. And yeah. suddenly we got ideas from each other's campaigns. Okay, yeah. so you do it this way. Can, I will steal that. I will use that for my campaign. And then obviously we helped each other. We wrote other, we, we wrote NPCs for each other and, and created maps together or whatever. And this kind of feels exactly like that obviously on a writing level and not on a just let's talk and, and prepare campaigns together level but this is just simply put beautiful <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it, it, it's a beautiful process to to see or, or, or even the pro or the product that comes out of it to see because you're never gonna get that anywhere else because you need this exact alchemy of these yeah. people working together with the current inspiration that they have and that is that and if you would throw these 13 people together again into a project with a different prompt you would get a completely whole new different thing obviously absolutely and you do because some of these people they they already knew me from house of the exorcist they had written for house of the exorcist and now they delivered something completely new so indeed every time you do this you get an entirely new result and it's, it's really it reads like a feel-good story that's what i like as well so these 13 people and and they all send something in and there's something beautiful boiling up out of there and they're getting published that's the idea because, well, eventually the Kickstarter is there to, to pay for everyone's efforts, uh, but it will obviously get published hopefully soon with the aid of the funds, possibly later if we if it takes more time to get these funds. But it's been 90% written so far. So it's the writing's mainly done. Uh, we're just waiting on, on uh, some of the art. Tim needs some time. He also has a job to do. So uh, I think we, we still need some uh, 10, 12 pieces of art. And then Anna is working on these audio bits. And then that's pretty much it. So we're very close. <laughs> that's the good news. So I have a question for people looking to do something similar or doing the same or roughly in, in the same realm of publishing to Kickstarter of publishing their first adventure. What would be your main advice to these people? What would be someone someone is here uh, listening to this and has no idea how to do it. They they want to, however, 
and they have ideas, but they don't know how to go about it. What would you say to them? You mean specifically for the Kickstarter? For the Kickstarter, I would say, because, yeah. I'm also new to this, but I prepared myself by uh, by reading a book, The Ultimate Guide to Kickstarter or something. Hold on, I'll, I'll just, I have my iPad here. I'll tell you which one it was. It's a bit dated. It's a couple of years old, but it contains some interesting information. And I'll tell you what I remember from it. Hold on. This was... Uh, well, it's no longer here, I'm afraid. Anyway, <laughs> it's the ultimate guide to Kickstarter. Uh, it's written by a a guy who is a, is a professional musician, and he's run a few Kickstarters. It well, all I'm I'm about to say is from this book. Uh, but the most important takeaway I had was uh, make sure that your project or whatever you, whatever it is you're doing, writing in this case, that it is nearly finished. Make sure you have that because, um, first of all, no one wants to uh, pay for your rent and your food while you're busy writing. It leaves a bit of a bad taste. So people are not inclined to do that and not the way to go about Kickstarter. So make sure you already have something to show for yourself. Make sure you're well ahead, especially if it's your first Kickstarter, because it's mainly about building trust. I mean... Have something to show, have something to convince people and say, look, if you invest in this, this is just about this is just for covering my costs. Because the first time you do this, it'll definitely be a passion project. And you'll be happy if you can just cover what costs you made. Uh, maybe you'll do well. I'm not even sure I'll do well. Maybe we won't even hit our, our funding goal. So be it. Then, well, there's no risk involved on it. Just burn walks will be a bit late. Um, but be realistic. Make sure you have something that your project is 80, 90% done already. And then you can show people you know what you're talking about, that you can show uh, a page spread here and there, some artwork perhaps. So that was one of the most important things I remember from that book. You know, Kickstarter is about convincing people, uh, getting yeah. them. To, to invest uh, in, in some form or another, right? And having something to show for yourself obviously yeah. helps with that. Uh, I just want to get back to one point real quick because uh, of the Doom 3, the, the immersive audio that, yeah. that, that plays. So, so you said basically that there are some, some cues, some, some hints or whatever that, that, uh, that play, that you can play. Um, and obviously you don't know how everyone is going to play that when they are playing, no. right? It's impossible. No. Totally you, you don't know. But the thing is, how does this audio sync up with the rooms that I'm playing? Do I have a track for every room do i have no no that that was something a bit too cumbersome to use i didn't mm. want uh i didn't want to, to burden the gm with yeah. having to choose a new track for a room so it's just mm. it's one track for the entire adventure it's a low key ambient which loops uh, but a very very long loop and there's these bits of ghostly whispers mm. obviously we don't know exactly where you are in this adventure so that's the weak point yeah i i admit um so maybe you hear i'm under the stairs but you've looked there half an hour ago and now there's nothing there well yeah sadly yeah. that that's that's all i have to work with in this <laughs> So um, I, I admit that there's a weak point, but it should be, well, if you consider that these ghosts are just disembodied spirits who are floating around, mm -hmm. uh, they don't know exactly what's going on. You cannot interact with them in any case. They're just at this different, in this different plane. Uh, then I thought, well, maybe I can still make that work. Maybe people will forgive me for doing this and uh, maybe there's more to gain from this interact, well, from this non-interactive track. Uh, but immersive mm -hmm. track, maybe there's more to gain than to lose by having occasionally uh, receiving a bit of information which is no longer relevant. Oh, well, first of all, <laughs> I would definitely forgive you because obviously I, I understand that you don't know how my in what order mm -hmm. my group goes through and how long they take and whatever. Obviously not. That that mm -hmm. is completely unique to everyone. But obviously, still having the option of having that track is. Especially for me, because I am someone that loves immersion in my games. I, I think it's one of the most important parts for me. With now me having moved into my own place, where I'm in right now, uh, I have plans for, since the light bulb I have in the room we are playing in when, when my friends come over is, a, in fact, a smart light bulb, I can change lighting. I have, not yet, but will have some kind of surround system that allows yeah. for surround sound audio as well and yeah I, i'm just really big about that fact and every time i uh, i hear from someone that they are also big on immersion and especially when, when a writer is big on immersion and then has this audio track like you do i'm just very enticed by the project myself not me having to find the right track 
to play, which can be very cumbersome sometimes when I yeah. have that very specific idea and it just doesn't fit with anything I have. But okay. here I have a track that is written for the adventure to fit. And that is a godsend for, for the immersive DMs out there or for the immersive GMs out there. Having someone give you that. Yeah, and yeah. I think immersion just gives you so much out of it because in my experience, the more immersive a situation is, the more in character the players stay, the more in characters my NPCs are when I GM them. And it just gives you so much back because everybody is then heavily invested in this and wants to uh, succeed or wants to complete this adventure or this campaign or whatever. And then just gets the complete vibe across mm. the, the one that you want for the whole situation. The whole campaign is just one continuous vibe that works with the system, with the setting, with everything. Yeah, exactly. Because without this immersion, it's just... A math-heavy board game you're playing. Play role-playing games for the immersion. Now, mm. I should take care to point out that when you say the immersion, for now, there's only this one background track for the entire adventure, and then there's three tracks for scene for three potentially uh, three unique challenges which the players will potentially encounter. So there's no specific tracks for uh, rooms or encounters or anything, but that's something Anna, our composer, is very much open to. But of course, first we'll cover the basic costs, and then I have already convinced her that if we happen to overfund, and this will definitely be a stretch goal to her, because that's also a thing she does. She uh, she writes albums. So what you're saying uh, for the Schwarze Auge, same concept, and she could do that for the entire adventure. So approaching the old villa, uh, exploring vineyard, uh, exploring the basement, that sort of thing. And this could just be a uh, lay it on top of this uh, ambient track which is just a bit of noise and occasionally a voice you hear so it, it would be compatible something else I, I would like to mention just because otherwise I'll forget it uh, just yesterday I had some good news as well perhaps you know my sound delve which, which is an application yeah, yeah. So, uh, the guy contacted me on Twitter and he said well uh, Spurn of Orcus sounds interesting what are you doing with this immersive audio and is there something I can help out with or, or is there some way for us to work together and Christian and I had a meeting yesterday and that's also something something he wants to add to this so we will most likely also have a specific sound set for Spurn of Orcus within my sound elf. Nice. A bit, of that, uh, a bit of good news sorry, a bit of good news. Congratulations on that. Amazing. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, it was just right before we, we kick off so that was great news as well and then we cover all the bases right, we have this these soundtracks which my sound elf doesn't handle Christian also said well that's not something the app uh, is designed to do so it's just complimentary, we also have some sound effects now so it, it's really coming together nicely. So I hope we make it, but we'll see. I hope definitely as well. And I, I don't have any questions anymore. I don't think Niels has any as well. So we've reached the end of the episode, which nice. is the time for you to shout out everything you want to do. Talk about the people that helped you, whatever, uh, right? Okay. Uh, put it all together in one final statement before we send us off. So let's see. First person I would like to thank is uh, Creighton Broadhurst from Raging Swarm Press, because he was the first to give me the chance at uh, writing something and publishing it. Uh, Night of the Masks, I think, in 2018, my first real published module. And he's taught me an immense amount, uh, not just about writing, also editing, and most of all, um, how to organize myself. Because uh, if you're self-employed, I, I used to work for, for some 20 plus years as just an employee of a company and you're told what to do and you're told what's important. And the moment you become self-employed, you need to figure that out all out for yourself. And that's a major challenge. And that's why I took a lot of, uh, well, mentorship from Creighton who showed me how to organize yourself, how to be productive, even if there's no actual pressure of being productive. So I owe him a lot and definitely Spurn of Orcus owes Creighton Broadhurst a lot. He has a, an amazing company, Raging Swarm Press, uh, they put out tons of products, all um, mostly things that help a DM. It's really written for DMs or GMs uh, to figure out these these tiny bits of information. How will you fill in your Red Dragon's Lair? So here's a list of tables, what might be contained in Red Dragon's Lair. Uh, here's a list of tables to show you what might be found in a sewer. And the thing I love most about them is, uh, and that's something I also love to write for them, is this concept of a dungeon backdrop where they put out a dungeon. So you have a product containing a fully described dungeon. So the dungeon has a background and has rooms, which are uh, the locations are fully described, but they don't have monsters, they don't have treasure. Because they say, well, likely if you buy a module like this, you will change it according to your own needs, change it to according to the player's level. Use this as a basis and add what you need. Anyway, first, I want to thank 
uh, Creighton and Raging Swamp Press. Then also uh, I owe a lot to uh, Chris Shepperson from uh, the Gaia Complex, who has also something totally different for me. This is a cyberpunk role-playing game which takes place in Europe, New Europe, as it is. After the Energy Wars, um, Megacorps, it has it has lots of cyberware, naturally. It's really raw, really down-to-earth, and it also has vampires, which you're allowed to shoot, because I don't like to play vampires, but I like to shoot them. So this is, <laughs> this is also Greg, and he's also given me an opportunity to work together several times, and he's also taught me a lot, uh, also about Kickstarter. So Chris is the one who showed me the ropes a bit about how to get my Kickstarter startup startup um who else is there to mention i should mention charlie from exist games also a good friend who is currently doing a coin size adventure jam something you might want to check out it's a coin two-sided coin bitcoin decorative coin and it functions as your full set of dice and he has a adventure and an adventure writing contest up right now you can you can write a 1500 word adventure and if it's the best you win a hundred dollar prize on top of being paid for your adventure uh if it's chosen for inclusion so something fun also then let's see nightfall games something or someone's a company i've written for for the terminator role-playing game uh also a very fun experience my first time writing a rule set i did the hacking rules for them uh just a very small contribution but they also gave me these opportunities and allowed me to to learn so i have them to thank as well and then finally of course i would like to direct you all to spurn the focus on kickstarter mm-hmm. Uh, we should be launching next week. So that's somewhere between uh, Monday 24th and at the very latest Friday 28th of October. That's the idea. So please have a look. Um, also, let me know what you think. If you have any questions for me regarding this thing, I'll be happy to explain if I haven't already done so in this episode. And you're also welcome to follow me on uh, Twitter, where my handle is at Critographer. I'll post uh, daily tidbits of information, uh, inspiration, I should say, based on history, art, and science, and also Spurn of Orcas, naturally. Um, and then finally, I want to thank all of my collaborators, so especially Tim for the art, Anna for the music, Christian at my Soundel, who is the newest member to our team, and all of our 13 guest writers. Nice. Thank you. All right. Thank you for being on the show. Thank, thank you for talking thank you about Spurn of Orcas. Thanks for having me. Yeah, and uh, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at DoubleDMPod or visit our website at www.doubledm.com. We also have a Ko-Fi if you would like to check that out. And please, if you like the show, leave a rating on your favorite podcast listening platform of your choice. It really helps the show out. And then thank you all for listening. Thank you for being here, Bart. Thank you for talking to us. My pleasure. And thank you. with that, hear you on the next one. And bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.